So if you're a Liberty Flames fan, in the midst of all the fallout since Oregon dispatched Liberty 45-6 in the Fiesta Bowl, take a moment and just savor what you just accomplished and how, I wouldn't say impossible it is that Liberty would be back. In fact, I don't believe that at all, that they'll be back in the discussion for what will become the college football playoff. They would have qualified this year using the same principles. But the fact that Liberty got to a prestigious national spot. Oh, oh yeah, there are definitely things you can look back on. The game itself which we'll do around 5.30 today with Eric Johnson of WSLS 10, and around 5.45 p.m. today with our own thoughts as well. But just for a moment, if you're a Liberty fan, take solace in the fact that while the performance wasn't spectacular, it shouldn't underscore the fact that they had a fantastic year start to finish. As even Dan Lanning noted both before the game And after the game, really before. And if anything for Liberty, they brought it out of Oregon. The fact that Liberty was a team that if you didn't focus on them, you might be upset. So Oregon took them seriously, which, I mean, bad for Liberty because they got beat 45-6 and never really stopped Oregon offensively. But good for Liberty because they were worthy of the respect of the Oregon Ducks who knew they had to respect Liberty going into this. A long time. I'm younger, but I've coached football for a long time, and I haven't been uh, around an undefeated team very often, right? That's a really unique experience. So when you just turn on the phone and you see a team that's able to go unscathed through their conference, able to win uh, some close games and then, you know, have some blowouts, you see a team that competes um, at the ultimate level. Um, they play hard for each other in every single unit. Um, they create explosive plays. They, they take care of the ball. Um, they do a good job of ripping the ball away from the opponent. So they make it challenging. And uh, that's credit Coach Chadwell and the job that he's done. But obviously, they're a really dynamic team. Uh, this, you know, one of four teams, I believe, in college football that, that hasn't lost a game. So that speaks, I guess, three now. Three teams in college football that haven't lost a game. So speaks volumes to the job that he's done. Dan Lanning was correcting himself at the very end of that Sunday press conference because that came after... Florida State no-showed against Georgia. Uh, I'm not saying you have to bet on sports, but if you were to bet on sports, that was one of those games where you could tell fairly quickly, uh, pre-game in fact, Trey. What are you talking about? I think the moment after <laughs> after they got announced they weren't making the college football playoff. He, here's the thing. There are times, We, by the way, total side note, we had this discussion with Paul Stone, pro handicapper, that in normal circumstances, the idea of getting the worst of the number is not a practice in which you want to engage. But in bowl season, where the worst of the number may be because all of a sudden guys just don't show up, oh, like, I don't know, half of Florida State's team, all of their key contributors, and certainly mentally checking out as well, you combine that with, oh, I don't know, Virginia Tech, Tulane, where Tulane's top wide receiver, quarterback, head coach, and other key members of the coaching staff all opted out, that at some point the theory, the dam breaks, And it does. And the interim coaching staff has a tough time figuring out what to do. Oregon State, Notre Dame, Liberty, uh, not, excuse me, not Liberty, Oregon State, Notre Dame, Tulane, Virginia Tech, and Florida State against Georgia. That inevitably that's going to be an issue. Well, again, to Liberty's credit, and more on this tomorrow in the fast lane, but the value of the loss for Liberty is I think there is 
some value to this loss for Liberty. But you got Oregon to focus in on this game. They didn't get an Oregon team that had a bunch of opt-outs and Liberty still got beat 45-6. Okay, yeah, Oregon's top wide receiver and their top offensive lineman, their center, both opted out for the NFL draft and one of their other offensive linemen. But really, that's it, including quarterback Bo Nix of, of Oregon. And it was clearly a locked-in and focused team that Oregon has. Look, Liberty brought that out. Liberty had a good enough year that it, it warranted their opponent taking them seriously. So as you look back, if you're a Liberty fan, look, I get the frustration. Caden Salter and others, notably Kobe Singleton, who joined Salter yesterday and announcing that he was transferring out of Liberty. Those are the only two new transfers uh, as of uh, right before showtime today. So as of five minutes ago. But those two transferring from Liberty, if anything, it should be an indication of why the Flames fans should be as thankful as they were for the entire year they got, including from Salter and Singleton. Because you got those two, plus Kennedy Charles, who had already announced he was going to enter the transfer portal before the Fiesta Bowl. I actually question what the market is going to be, as I know we have previously. And it's not that I don't like Kennedy Charles, but you know, you're a little bit of an undersized defensive lineman, and you're coming off injuries, which could hamper the fact that speed and athleticism were supposed to be his calling cards, uh, and therefore it resulted in decreased production. Again, you're transferring, trying to get uh, transfer up, you're making the same harsh business decision that the people judging you are going to be making if you're Kennedy Charles. So it might actually work against him. It won't for Salter. He's going to get a big deal somewhere else. We'll explain the economics of that uh, as time progresses. But just from Liberty's standpoint, look, thankful is the approach they should have for the season they had getting to the Fiesta Bowl. It's not often that in your first year as a member of a conference, you have the right coach in place, who, by the way, You used money at Liberty to poach Jamie Chabwell from Coastal Carolina. $800,000 a year or so at Coastal. They could have gotten up to around a million a year. Liberty reportedly offering him $4 million a year. That's four times the amount of, in the immortal words of Kenny Powers, dollar, dollar bills, y'all, that Liberty could offer. And if anything, look, if I'm a Liberty fan, okay, yeah, it stinks to lose Caden Salter, but you've got a great learning experience. You have a great springboard. You know that when the coaching staff doesn't have his full roster in place and is trying to piecemeal everything together. Because yes, Liberty's losing guys to the portal. And yes, this will continue to be a thing with Liberty in the years to come. If you have success, people are going to look at your roster and study what you're doing and identify targets that they could coax to transfer up. And when you can offer more dollar, dollar bills, y'all, then players are going to entertain the immortal words of Kenny Powers dollar, dollar bills, y'all, or their handlers, their parents, their coaches, their advisors, whoever it is. And again, I don't begrudge anybody for that. That's just the reality of college sports, much like in a lot of programs cases. Back in the day, it was when you had success, your coaches would be picked off. Now you may have your coaches picked off, but also your players. But it can work both ways. It can come back in to being a beneficial thing for a school like Liberty. And that's one of the values of their run right now is it shows the Flames can get to this point when not everything is settled in place. And the idea of being settled is so much different now than it used to be. It's never fully settled now the way it was, where you could fully build something and everybody's going to stick around for a while for the most part. You're going to have turnover like you never have before until things somehow get settled over time in college athletics. And when you're begging Washington to get involved because you don't have any organizational structure because the people in charge of college football, again, I don't call them leaders because they never really led, 
But when you're in that spot, it's not changing anytime soon. So for Liberty, be glad for what you did this year. You showed that with a new coach in a new conference, you can go out and dominate and be the standard bearer in that conference. Your top competition was New Mexico State. They lost their head coach. That's actually bad for Liberty because it weakens the overall perception of Conference USA if you don't have another good dominant team in that bunch. And New Mexico State was that way. Western Kentucky could have bounced back from their disappointing year this year. Liberty could have had that. That's going to be a challenge for them in the years to come. But Liberty's shown they'll invest the resources in the program. They've got everything there. When things align properly, they can be in the spot to which they are. And Liberty showed out as well as you could expect for this particular situation against a motivated Oregon team. And it may sound very homorific to say this. Look, there are plenty of things I'll criticize about Liberty, including some things from their performance after our chat with Eric Johnson when he joins us around 5.30 today. After that, we'll kind of weigh in on the game itself. But after the loss, Dan Lanning and granted, you know, take this with a grain of salt because Oregon, they have no need to put down Liberty. They don't recruit against Liberty. They're not in the same geographic footprint. There's no competition for players. There's no real rivalry or history of animosity. Unless they get a freak show athlete, will they poach, try to poach from? That's the only way. I mean, yeah, and it won't. It's not like Liberty's not going to have to worry about that. Other schools engaging in that process. And back to the Salter thing, it, you know, when you're, you're talking about fans, should they be upset? Should they be like we we kind of touch like. I don't want to say tease this, but we kind of, I felt like we laid a good foundation of expectation when it came to, like, now in college football, like, if you have a good good quarterback at the group of five level, the expectation is he's going to go up. Like, Malik Willis is probably going to be more of an outlier as time goes on so, than, than anything else. 100%, Trey, you bring up a great point. We're going to get to that more tomorrow plus, with the fast lane. Plus, there's not a lot of, uh, I'll save it for, I was just going to yeah. say, plus there's not a lot of great quarterback it's a no, good time for him to su- enter because su- there's it's supply, supply and demand. demand supply and demand that that's the exact point like we're offensive in. linemen so we we will delve into that more tomorrow in the fast lane because this isn't going away Caden Salter leaving Liberty and being poached in the transfer portal the reality of your Liberty is this be glad that you have a coach that can create a system to showcase talent enough that you can get a guy like Caden Salter to the point where he is desirable by a bigger conference. Uh, Miami Hurricanes, possibly. Um, they uh, would because they would that never. Was the wrong, that was the wrong cough cough team you picked. Which one were you going to go with? Oh, oh, I have, I have some <coughs> Auburn University. <laughs> I, 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 no, well, hold on. I, I, all right, all right. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break a little bit on that tray quickly because I've heard a lot of people throw Auburn out there, and I could be proven wrong. I've actually heard Auburn is not really going after Liberty, despite what the internet rumor is. They're not going after Caden Salter. And maybe this is kind of a grace period thing with Hugh Freeze and Liberty because he does think highly of the school. There might also be this element to it as well. Auburn, I don't get into the weeds here, but they think very highly of, I guess the guy's name is Walker White, I think is his name. He's a four-star quarterback that's come in. And he was a guy that Auburn jumped on very early in the process. And Caden Salter has two years of eligibility left when he goes somewhere else. Not that you wouldn't turn down the talent, but I don't think Hugh Freeze and his staff even ever connected with Caden Salter. And I know performance can change things, but I don't think they ever really connected with Caden Salter in a way where they said, hey, this is the guy that we have to go after. If that was the case, they probably would have gone after him last year, considering how bad Auburn's quarterback situation was this year. If Salter was that much of a can't-miss player. And again, there's an evaluation of Salter. We'll get into this later. But Flames fans, be glad that you have a coach 
that has a system in place that I don't think it's insurmountable. Not to say that you can upgrade over Salter. Clearly, he was great for Liberty this year, and he was more than deserving of being the Conference USA Player of the Year. He got Liberty to a, a New Year's Six Bowl, and yes, there were some circumstances that helped with that. Every other team in which Liberty was competing for that spot, because JMU doesn't count, every other team was a two-plus loss team. So Liberty had some breaks go their way to get to this season. But if you're Liberty, take solace in the fact that you've got a coaching staff that still can get the most out of their talent. Look at this year and realize it is for what it is. Don't apologize for having some breaks go your way and getting to New Year's Six Bowl when plenty of times other teams need things to go their way. And oh, by the way, when Liberty gets here, it still is a great recruiting pitch going forward. They've got a four-star quarterback who is committed from IMG Academy as a true freshman. And I get it, maybe you don't want that guy to start right away. But they had a three-star quarterback, which for Liberty is not an easy thing to obtain. But a guy named Reese Mooney, they're both on the roster. And you've got a coach that shows his system is great for bounce-back players coming in. And what you can accomplish when you actually apply yourself at Liberty. Because, uh, again, that is kind of one of the knocks on Salter is it took a while for the maturity light to come on. And everyone kind of hinted at that this year. Look, if you're Liberty, you've had all those things happen. Look back on that. Look back on the experience at the Fiesta Bowl. I was down there from Saturday until leaving early yesterday, early Tuesday. It was fantastic. Liberty, their fans were very well received down there. They acquitted themselves nicely. Everyone seemed to have positive things to say about Liberty, maybe because we didn't post anything at Fastlane, Ed Lane on our social media accounts uh, about the potential, I'm going to use air quotes on this, dignitaries. By the way, dignitaries that would have loved to have had their photographs posted on our social platforms. You can figure out where we're going with this uh, when we're mocking that. But people that have, uh, how shall we say this, maybe been in charge at Liberty, may or may not have been on the same flight that my wife and I were on going down there. We have witnesses that back this up, by the way. So my wife and I, plus other witnesses. Did you swim into the airplane? (laughs) No, I did not. No pool analogies on this particular airplane but i'm on the right track because you you yes you were definitely you were definitely on the right track with who might or may or not may not have been on there i wasn't gonna i was gonna ask you more about that stadium and did you find out why the super why why the field was so bad during the super bowl because you were at the place you know i was amazed by the way because i walked around the field i'm like god this looks like a better field than what they have for the super bowl i don't know how that happens i was really confused trey i'll be honest about that but anyway, you know, Liberty, I thought, acquitted themselves well. Their fan support was great. More on that, by the way, in the Fast Five at Five-ish momentarily. But there are a lot of positives that Liberty can take from this particular experience. And ultimately, that's the value to it. And it kind of goes back to Dan Lanning's point. Because I asked him this directly after the game on whether the, or not the fact that Oregon won 45-6. to And it, by the way, could have been 52-6 to if Oregon had have not decided to take a knee a couple of times at the goal line with two minutes and change to go or under two minutes to go in the game. Class act, by the way, for Oregon. But Liberty earned the respect of Oregon because Oregon played hard. Liberty showed out very well as a fan base. And yes, you lose Caden Salter afterwards and you lose Kobe Singleton and you've lost some other guys to the portal. And, you know, we're approaching the deadline over the next 24-ish hours for uh, other players to enter. So keep your eyes out for it. I don't discount the possibility that some others may or may not enter for Liberty. The one name I've kind of joked about for a while is would a guy like C.J. Daniels enter his name into the transfer portal because he had a fantastic year in wide receivers while not on the level of quarterbacks or linemen or defensive backs. There is demand for guys that can do well, and certainly that's one that popped up. But all that doesn't change the fact that Liberty earned the respect of a team like Oregon even after the Ducks thoroughly dominated the majority 
of that game? Not at all. I mean, you talk about they were an undefeated team. That they had an elite season. Uh, Coach Chadwell's won everywhere he's been. And, uh, you know, yeah, we had the better uh, game today. We played well today. Um, and, and they're a good team. You can't discredit a team going, you know, unscathed throughout the season, undefeated. Uh, speaks to the, the quality of team they are and, and the quality of coaches they have. They had an elite season, and hopefully this doesn't overshadow the season that they had, you know, but I know how I wanted to come out on the end of this thing, and, and fortunate enough for us, our players went out and performed. Second row left. You can hear that. The last part, of course, is to show how emphatic Dan Lanning was for Oregon. And the fact that he believed Liberty deserved to be in this game. And again, you know, it is worth reiterating that this is an Oregon program that they don't compete with Liberty in any regard. They're, as far as for recruits, obviously they're recruiting different caliber players. Oregon, they're like a top five recruiting machine right now. Liberty, with all due respect, they're, they're not on that level and they're nowhere close to being on that kind of level. But you know, Liberty's acquitted themselves. And the perception of people out there that you know others in the world of sports can't stand Liberty, I thought Liberty thoroughly disproved that down at the Fiesta Bowl. Oregon, I mean, it's about as liberal a state as you can get, but there's a lot of respect from Oregon and folks around that program for Liberty and what they stand for and how they carried themselves. And it, it held itself up before the game. It held itself up based on the fact that Oregon felt like they needed to play hard and prepared and be locked in. And, and for the most part, they really were. And they dominated that game. But all those things really speak to Liberty, I'd say in a very positive way. And for the Flames, yet yeah, you lose the game. But ultimately, those are positives for you. Much like another positive for you is shopping for the right insurance provider. Not going with somebody that you don't know can get you the best rate, like one of those 1-800 numbers. There are plenty of them out there. Or somebody that's got a fun little commercial on TV. No, 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 no. Gardner Insurance Solutions, that's the route to go. And here's why. They're not a captive agency, which means they can shop your home and auto insurance to multiple carriers to make sure you get the best rate possible with Gardner Insurance Solutions, Old Forest Road, and Lynchburg. Now we do a different kind of looking back to the basketball hardwood action last night to start things off in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Three games last night on the hardwood in the ACC. North Carolina pulled away from Pitt for a 13-point win, 70-58. to Wake Forest pulled away from Boston College, 84-78. to And Duke controlled the game in the second half against Syracuse, 86-66. to None of those outcomes was surprising from my standpoint. Um, North Carolina, it's interesting because that's the type of maturity. Pitt's not a great team this year compared to the tournament team last year. But this is the type of performance that North Carolina would not have shown last year when they didn't look like they were having as much fun, nor were they as engaged and hard fighting as they've been in prior years. So give a little feather to Carolina in regards to that. Duke over Syracuse. I mean, look, we saw Syracuse at UVA about a month ago, and they clearly are not as good as their 10-4 record indicates. Sorry to the Syracuse media mob that's out there. But for Duke, they look like they're starting to round into form as they get more healthy and Wake Forest. They build on the victory against Virginia Tech by going to Boston College and rallying for a victory in the second half. It wasn't an easy game, but uh, you know I, you know me. I'm high on Earl Grant at Boston College. Uh, I don't think they're a tournament team, but that is such a challenging job to put together something. And Wake Forest, despite struggling at the start of the year, they look like the type of team that's starting to find their form heading into ACC play. And it does beg the question of whether they can continue that, but at least it answered that last night is Wake Forest, one of three North Carolina area schools to get a win last night. 
number four. Speaking of the ACC and college basketball, games this evening featuring ACC programs, there are four of those games. The big one is Clemson against Miami. Clemson, they're a one-point favorite at Miami. Uh, To me, Clemson's roster is more complete, but it, it is a road game, and Miami has played better at home outside of the loss to Colorado. I think the line is properly set as Clemson, uh, about a one-point favorite. I would lean Miami in this scenario, but uh, it's much more of a lean than anything else. Georgia Tech against Florida State. I have a real tough time figuring out Georgia Tech right now because Florida State, they're as long as they've always been and they're as tall as they've always been. But, I mean, they got beat by Lipscomb handily this past week and yet they're a four-point favorite against Georgia Tech that makes me leery just because the line is often telling you something and then the other two games this evening NC State is at Notre Dame watch for a letdown spot I get why the book is pricing that with Notre Dame is a five-point road favored um it, it may be a bit high for Kevin Keats squad which has been better in Raleigh than they've been on the road but Notre Dame coming off the big victory against Virginia uh they're still in a spot where you need to prove it. And after one of those big victories, you do wonder about the letdown spot the next route. That's why this makes sense. Speaking of Virginia, by the way, um, if they can get it together against Louisville tonight, this then there is obviously serious cause for concern because this Louisville team, they are atrocious. Number three. On the other side of the Commonwealth, the Virginia Tech Hokies got big news as Nick Gallo, the blocking tight end for Virginia Tech, announced that he too would return to Virginia Tech at the end of this season or rather heading into next season. I, I love this for Virginia Tech. Not that it's a major difference from an X's and O's standpoint, but you've got a guy that wants to come back for his sixth and final year of eligibility. And different players have different reasons on whether they do come back or not. And a lot of that's dependent on where they are in life. And for a guy like Nick Gallo, who doesn't have much pro potential, um, I can understand why he'd want to hang it up. But it does speak to what Virginia Tech is doing right now in the level of momentum around this program. And for a fairly young tight end room, for a guy like Nick Gallo, who maximizes his skill set but may not be the most talented guy i love this type of return for virginia tech because it is a pace setter type of return which is really good for a program like virginia tech to have that type of player who ends up coming back number two speaking of news when it comes to college sports the verbo fiesta bowl yes the one where we attended this past week 47 we i wasn't able to go the royal we Sorry, Trey. I know it sounds kind of snarky and D-baggy of me to say that. Where I was this past week, 47,769 fans is the lowest attendance since 1971. Um, Let's call a couple of things a spade a spade here. There were a lot of factors that combined for this. Oregon, which is a program that, again, their fans were great. I thought their program was as classy as you could expect for a big-time program, and they treated Liberty with, with a lot of respect. But... This is not where they wanted to be. They're a team that lost to Washington twice in the regular season. And for as much flack as they may have caught for that, in hindsight, maybe we should be a little more lenient on that given what Washington showed in the college football playoff semifinal going into a de facto road game in Louisiana as there were a lot of Texas fans that were there for that one and Washington still managed to win. Not to mention they were one of two undefeateds left, the other being their opponent in the championship game, Michigan. But Washington's the only team that beat Oregon this year. So again, for Liberty, it's it's not bad to say you lost to an Oregon team whose only losses this year were to a team in the national title game. 
but it's not where Oregon wanted to be and not where their fans were dreaming of. So expecting them to come down was a challenge. Liberty, because they're an East Coast school going west for the matchup, there was only so much they were going to do to pull fans in to this area. I get that Liberty is a national appeal relative to other group of five caliber programs, but they're still a group of five program that doesn't have the big brand cachet relative to the bigger programs in college football. And people are not lining up and knocking down the door. And, and let's call a spade a spade as well. I think a lot of Liberty's growth has been because of their online program, but I think it's also made it slower for people to embrace Liberty University as a school to which they feel connected and affiliated. Uh, looking at the stands, you're talking about 47,000 fans, and I thought it was pretty evenly split, split between Liberty and Oregon fans. So let's just say there were 23,000 fans per school, and we'll sprinkle in a 1,000 that were folks that just wanted to show up for the game. That's about what Liberty draws on a really good day at Williams Stadium. To have that many people come down for Liberty, that's a, a plus for them to have that many for this event. Um, it doesn't have a lot of impact on whether they would make it into a college football playoff in the future, because... For the most part, the college football playoff is going to be based upon who's the best finishing group of five program anyway, but for Liberty to get there, at least you're now in the conversation, and I haven't read the book, but there's a book about brands winning championships that's out there. Liberty at least expanded their brand because of what they did, even though it does speak to where they still need to grow. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. A fun, light-hearted nugget on which to end the Fast Five at Five-ish today. The Pop-Tarts Bowl generated over $12 million and earned media exposure according to Apex Marketing and up through December 29th averaged 4.3 million viewers, which was the largest for a bowl game up to that date. Look, I know we can laugh at a lot of the gimmicks like dumping mayo on the, on the mayo on the winning coach at the bowl game down in North Carolina. Please don't say the name, Trakes. They're not a sponsor. Although I just said the name of the Pop-Tarts Bowl. I don't know how else you describe what a Pop-Tart is. You can't, yeah, I mean, you can't really not say the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Like, to, but it's Pop-Tarts. Like, come on. It's so, that's like, it's like, you know, uh, Kleenex. Like, it's kind of in that same fruition. Yeah, I mean, people think of tissues. They just call them Kleenex, regardless of whether they get the store brand or whether they get the actual official brand of it. Pop-Tarts, people use the same logic, whether it's the official Pop-Tarts brand or the generic Or the brand. generic, insert your grocery store name here brand, Trey. But it, it, to me, it, tell me if you disagree with this, Trey, or not. But it speaks to the fact that if you're not going to be one of the big bowl games that's out there, i.e. going forward, one that's tied to the college football playoff, make it fun. Have some level of time. Completely whether agree. Whether it's the military bowl, which everybody can do military appreciation and get involved in a lot of the charitable endeavors like the Armed Forces Bowl where JMU played or the military bowl. And unlike bowl the Armed Forces Tech, Bowl, they do it at the Naval, Naval Academy, which I think makes it unique. Yeah, it does. I Being, mean, as someone who's been to that game at the military bowl it was cool to be on that campus you know i've been to that bowl game as well trey and it's a great environment and city and i agree with you but for bowl games let's call them what they are they're glorified scrimmages make them as fun as possible i thought the fiesta bowl did a really good job with it i know we've done stuff with the peach bowl and that organization down in atlanta i won't say the name because they're a fast food restaurant that doesn't sponsor us but if they would like to fast lane headlane facebook twitter instagram but here's the thing make fast them- lane headlane bowl I mean, hey, why not? Can't be as bad as the Gronk Bowl with his really butchering of the National Anthem or the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl or whatever it's been in the past. But I'm all for it. Have fun. I mean, let's let's call it what it is. It's supposed to be fun because nobody pretends that these bowl games are anything more than that. And there is your Fast Five at five Speaking of fun and bowl games, we had fun chatting with Eric Johnson of WSLS 10 
our last time in the fast lane, and I had fun chatting with him on the sideline of the Fiesta Bowl. So he'll join us to discuss that game next on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.